podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the Voices of the Vic podcast with Ben Ayton and Mike Duffy. Hello and welcome to the Voices of the Vic podcast with me, Mike Duffy, and as always, Ben Aiton. Ben, happy Christmas, mate. How uh, how's it been for you and your uh, your family for the first time? Yeah, yeah. Merry Christmas. Yeah, uh, Christmas is very different with a three month year old, but yeah, it, it, it was lovely, mate. Um, very enjoyable. Uh, a bit stressful at times, but um, yeah, yeah. It, it, was, it was good. Thank you. Uh, how how was your Christmas? Good to hear, mate. Yeah, um, same same as usual. Um, obviously, spent it at home with my mum, brother, and sister, and her partner and his son. So it was a it was a full house. But um, yeah, it's um, it's it's been a bit weird. Like it, it almost didn't feel as if it's Christmas. Uh, not just because of the pandemic, but purely because of like the weather doesn't even seem like it's Christmas time. Uh, and now we're in that sort of period after Christmas where you don't know what day it is. Uh, I for the duration of yesterday kept thinking it was Sunday, so uh, yeah. But um, yeah, all good on on that front. Thank you very much, Ben. Uh, but ladies and gents, me and Ben uh, are joined actually with a special guest today, uh, no other than Joe Wilmot, the brother of Ben, who uh, had a brilliant game yesterday. Joe, thank you very very much for joining us. How's your Christmas been? Hello, lads. Uh, thank you for having us. Yeah, no, it was fantastic. Thank you. Nice and quiet. Um, kind of been using. Uh, Coronavirus is a bit of an excuse to not see the extended family. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, apart from that, no, it's been uh, it's been lovely actually. But you're right; I have actually kind of forgotten that it is the you know it is the holidays and it is Christmas at the moment because it's just it's not really settled in. The only thing that's kind of telling me that it's Christmas is that it's bloody freezing and there are Christmas decorations up everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I get what you mean. Like literally on my roads, it's every other house. You don't need yeah. you don't need streetlights around this road. <laughs> uh, I think that says enough, really. But um, we'll get obviously started with with the same news. We, I mean, obviously it was Cisco Munoz's first game in charge, so it was always going to be interesting to see what sort of team he put out. Because as we know, Vladimir Ivich didn't want to name an unchanged side. Uh, I think perhaps because of the the packed fixture list that that there is at the moment. Um, Munoz carried on that trend. There was three changes. Two of them were enforced. So Capitelli and Trooster Kong come out. Capitelli had a knee injury. Trooster Kong had a hamstring injury that he picked up at Huddersfield. And then James Garner had come out. Sierra Alta, Femenia and Troy Deeney all coming in. So Ben, it looked like we went back to a 4-4-2 and it was Deeney and Gray up top. Proper old-fashioned, proper Sir Graham Taylor throwback that is with the two big lads up front, isn't it? Yeah, very old school for an old eight. Uh, old school fixture isn't it Boxing Day fixture yeah. um, absolutely love a four four two uh, back in the day um, the, the game's kind of evolved a bit since then and people want to play this tippy tappy football and you, you're playing different formations but when it's starting to go a bit tough I think everyone reverts back to four four two and make it more solid and that's exactly what we've done when we played four four two this season we've made it much more um, compact and harder for teams to break us down but yeah the team news yesterday we expected Truce Econ to come out with the hamstring injury uh, Cavaselli out as well but yeah I thought it was a, what a first league start um, for Ciretti wasn't it oh, I thought mate, oh, how yeah. is he how is he going to cope um, like you touched upon in our last podcast, every time he's not starting, all the Chilean fans bombard Watford Twitter and say, why Why isn't he starting? Um, yeah. But I think yesterday we saw why he started and he put in an absolutely brilliant performance. Yeah, and I'm not just saying this because you're on the show, Joe, but him and Ben at the back were absolutely superb. We, we've we seen some good partnerships this season. Uh, notably, you know, Cavaselli and Trusta Kong have worked well. Whenever Ben's had to come in, he's... He's sort of had to fill in sort of anywhere in that back line this season. Um, but it, what's it actually like to see when the team news, come, team news comes out, sorry, that he's, part up with, he's paired up with another centre-back? And is it sort of like, oh, he, he might need a couple of games to sort of get used to playing alongside him? Or is, is it just like duck to a water? He'll just adapt to any situation. 
Yeah, he is. And I'm not just saying this because uh, yeah. he's my brother. But, um, <laughs> one of the good things about Ben is that he is flexible and he will happily um, slot into a new position and make it work you know, to, to the absolute best of his ability. Um, I think that's why he's um, quite attractive to um, other clubs is because he has that flexibility where, you know, if he does have to press from a different position or does have to perhaps um, cover for something that has happened on the pitch, then he has the confidence and the trust of the people around him um, that even though that isn't where he's supposed to be originally, even if he can just come into that and make it work. Um, but that pairing for sure seems to go down a treat. Mm. Um, you know, it looks strong at the back, very stable. And that is certain. Last night's back four was definitely a back four that I felt we could rely on, um, especially towards the last 20 minutes. It was getting uncomfortable the last 20 minutes because Norwich were really pressing. Yeah. Um, and it was getting very, very close. And we were sat here very uncomfortably watching it. And we were like, oh my God, please don't blow it now. But, you know, that, that back four was solid really solid um and I, I don't think ben foster had to sweat or do too much work last night or anything that looked challenging so that shows that you know they were doing a pretty decent job yeah yeah absolutely and ben we've touched on it in the past where chair Alsa, he will play for the chilean national side and every time he plays all we hear is glowing reports so as i've just as to Joe, we've obviously seen the partnership of Cabaselli and Trooster Kong. We've seen Trooster Kong and Ben Wilmot, and we we seem to we sort of had a centre back partnership going. But with this injury at the moment, we don't know how long Trooster Kong's out for or Cabaselli. But this is a, a, a back to well, a centre back partnership. It's again a bit like the Abdullah Decore situation, whereby if he didn't come on as a sub that game and played his socks off, we wouldn't have known that he would have been this brilliant player, which then we've moved on for big money. A bit like this partnership, centre-back partnership of C.R. Elsa and, and Ben Wilmot. I think, why change it for the next game uh, and, and keep it going? Is that something you'd agree with, Ben? Yeah, I wouldn't want to change it. I thought they all put in a, an amazing performance at their back yesterday. But I just want to say, with like all the bigger experienced names that have gone out the side, like Trucy, Coyne and um, yeah. Cabaselli, I thought Ben Wilmot took responsibility really well. And he looked like he enjoyed being that main defender in the back four. I thought yeah. he, he, he really grew into that role. And it, I, I, I still can't believe he's 21. Like, I feel like he's been around for absolutely ages. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. believe he's 21. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, it is mad to think that. And do you know what, as well? It, it sort of reminds me of something that Troy Deeney said. I think Watford played Swansea in the Cup, was it last season? And I think Ben was on loan at Swansea and he was yeah. at the game. And Troy said on Hive Live or whatever the equivalent was back then, he said that he reminded him of Rio Ferdinand um, as, as a youngster. And, you know, to make those sort of comparisons, I, I know. Certainly, you know, we know what type of character Troy is. He wouldn't sort of say that lightly. Uh, you, you sort of think if he's thinking that, then it, it must be true sort of thing. So, yeah, but as you say, Ben, for Wilmot to still be 21, uh, we've said it on this podcast before, if he keeps putting performances in like that, he'll only grow stronger as a player. And I can only see the armband heading in one direction. Uh, and I, I think that's towards towards Ben Wilmot. Um, but... In terms of the actual lineup itself, obviously we saw Deeney and Gray. There was a lot of calls, Ben. I think we were talking about it before we started recording, where Gray is no stranger to stick on social media. Uh, and I'll hold my hands up, and I've, I've sort of been a critique of his on this podcast before. Um, but I didn't really think he warranted a place um, in the starting eleven based on last week against uh, Huddersfield or whenever it was, the days are escaping me at the moment. But um, to see Danny and Gray up top at the start, and then to see the start, I have to hold my hands up, Ben. I thought Gray did a brilliant job in stretching their back line and, and playing off the, the, the last man's shoulder. 
thought he got a lot of stick yesterday. I thought it was a bit undeserved. I think we've touched upon before. Like I'm not his biggest fan. We've, we've openly admitted that. Mm-hmm. But I feel like he's 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 going from a scapegoat to becoming a bit of a witch hunt um, for for uh, Andre Gray now. I think yeah. he, I feel a bit sorry for him at times. So, Last week was his first start against Huddersfield. He's probably he's trying to get back up to match fitness, and then he, he started today. But whenever anything goes wrong, if you go onto Twitter, the first five tweets would be on about Andre Gray and saying how crappy he is. <laughs> and yeah, it's he, I thought he had an okay performance yesterday. I thought he stretched the back line. He was playing on the 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 Norwich defenders' um, shoulders. I thought he was holding the ball up. Well, like our, our goal came from um, his, his work rate, him getting in behind, stretching the, the, the play and holding the ball up and bringing Kapu into the game. And I, I thought he did all right. It was just his finishing and he just can't hit a barn door. But apart from that, he had a, he had a really good game. He worked his socks off. He, he did work his socks off. And I, I go back to what um, one of our guests said on a podcast a couple of weeks ago, uh, Billy from the Besotted podcast for Brentford. He touched on it superbly, I think, about Andre Gray, where as long as your team create chance after chance after chance, yes, he might need, say, 100 chances, but he'll put, say, I don't know, four of them away sort of thing. So, yeah, it's probably not the best sort of way to work as a striker because really you want to be putting every chance you can. But I think, and I feel a bit stupid saying this after one performance under him, but I think... The way that Munoz wants to play, I think we will create more chances as a side in general. And therefore, it won't be long until Andre Gray gets one of them in. And then if he carries on a run, if he carries on playing and playing and playing, then hopefully we'll see him pick up goals. I mean, Joe, I, I don't know what your thoughts are as, as, as a Watford supporter like with that Gray and Deeney combination. Uh, what, what's your stand on, on Andre Gray starting um, in, in games? I'm all for Gray starting because we know that he's got decent previous. I yep. think him and Dini up front are really, really threatening. Um, that close goal, I don't know how. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know how he's missed that. That, But I think that's what's frustrating. And I think, um, Ben, you're absolutely right that Gray is very much now sort of becoming part of a witch hunt because I think what people are seeing is he's being gift wrapped these chances. And I think people are really boiling it down to, you know, one simple thing. You have one job and that's to put the ball in the back of the net. And when you're being handed chance after chance after chance, I think people are starting to lose their patience a little bit. Um, Someone that has been in the game as long as, and with a pairing like Deeney, you know, an absolute what for golden boy, up front, you'd be thinking that, you know, they've, they've scored more difficult goals, which is, I think, is what is confusing and frustrating to watch um, because there were just so many opportunities last night. I think they had, what, five consecutive corners in a row yeah. and it was just a bit like, oh, nothing off of those. Um, but that, that pairing up front was definitely exciting to watch last night and I'd be happy to see it again because I think Dean and Gray will have learned from tonight, but I think if they have one or two more games where they're both starting together up front and we're seeing a repeat of it, then definitely something needs to change. But I'd be happy to let last night slide, um, considering they did win and it's the first time under a new manager, you know, different style of play, and you know, Gray's um, still trying to get back to full match fitness. Um, but I'd say if if they're starting for the Swansea game and we've just seen a repeat of that, then something needs to change. Yeah. Uh, and just sticking with you, Joe, something you've said there, obviously, with a new manager, you, you always expect the new manager bounce or you obviously expect the new style of play. And it, it's been made clear now uh, via The Athletic that um, the boards weren't particularly happy with Ivic's style of play and Munoz is known for his attacking sense. Has Ben said anything about this, this, this new goal? Anything exciting? Anything Watford fans can sort of expect? It? What, what's the general feel between the players uh, about uh, Mr Munoz? Well, I, I think the, the one thing that's been picked up on and the one thing that's been, uh, been mentioned is there's 
the, the, a new sense of transparency because Munoz is readable. Um, yeah, that helps. <laughs> yeah. He, he smiles. Yeah. <laughs> he's emotional to talk to. You know, he's, it's not like you're trying to get blood from a stone when it's just, you know, trying to get information out. Um, Ivic was uh, great at um, talking to the players, but when it came to reaction and, um, you know, the morale boost that I think quite a lot of the players needed, that's where Munoz has really um, come into his own. Um, smiley, funny, the, the, the change room is on side with him. They really, really are. Um, I think there was this air of when he first came in, the players make their judgment in the first training session when they meet him. They say, you know, if training is bad and it's not what they expect, then they've already lost the trust of the team. You know, that first impression has to be spot on. And the manager really has to, well, the head coach, sorry, really has to use that first training session to impress the team and really let them know what they're there for and what they're all about. And they really got on board with him quickly. Training was fast paced. It was fun. It was the different style of play. And I think they really got on board with him there and then. And it's even just down to things like, I think uh, everyone's talking about it, but last night on, um, on Sky, at the end of the game, you saw all of the players on the bench, you know, coming down. Everyone was smiling. Everyone was hugging. I actually saw Saar break a smile last night, which I have not seen before. And it's just that totally different air around the club at the moment. It's a much happier place to be. Um, and I think that that is probably the biggest takeaway from all of this. Um, a totally different style of play. And I think the general atmosphere and the general air around the club is just a lot more positive. Um, but that's because they've, they've been allowed to feel that way. I just think happiness and positivity is infectious. And when they're not getting it from, you know, a higher up, um, that, that really filters down. Um, but it's nice to see that that's on the surface anyway, seems to have uh, completely changed. Yeah, and you've you've touched on it there. Uh, how great was that to see at full time, Ben? Uh, I know I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but the players at the end, you know, uh, all hugging the manager and everyone was smiling, laughing. Uh, and we, we just looked like there's unity back in the team. And listen, don't get me wrong, Vladimir Ivic got us to fifth. And I'm not going to go on about him because we, we sort of dedicated a, a whole episode to that last week. But it was just great to see that at full time, wasn't it, Ben? And hopefully, if this game's anything to go by, we, we're going to be in for some attacking football players actually feeling, looking like a team and that team spirit being there. Yeah, it was great to see the togetherness and like um, Joe said, all the players coming out the stands at full-time whistles, the players that wasn't involved in the match. Smiles are returned back to faces, hasn't it? And I think the players are getting an enjoyment back for football. And it's just, it's just positive signs now, isn't it? There's lots of positive vibes around the club with this appointment. And you could tell last night the players were enjoying their football again. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's only going to go one way now, I think. I think... We we will see more attacking football yep. under Munez. Um, we are going to get the ball forward quicker. Um, there's a lot more urgency. I think we saw that last night. Um, Saar wasn't afraid to take on his man. Like before in previous games, Saar would get to a byline and then maybe check back and then the ball ends back in to um, like Ben Wilmot or Cabaselli and then it goes back to Ben Foster. But this time it was get the ball to Saar, let him take on his man and he would beat him. Um, so yeah, it's... It's very positive and the enthusiasm is back at the club. Yeah, and I certainly think, and I know this might be a bit of a, a bad judgment to make, but I certainly think that Sarah wouldn't have even made an attempt to go for the ball for his goal yesterday, which we'll talk about now. Obviously, Ken Semmer um, doing what Ken Semmer does, um, just running down that flank all day, uh, all night, and... I think he had two men to, to beat because there were two men on him. I think they were doubling up on both Semmer and Saar. Um, didn't matter for King Ken, though, because he managed to get a pinpoint ball in. 
and obviously Saar was there to, to tap it in. But that is the difference, I think. And it's crazy how one manager change, one game, a couple of training sessions, which I'm sure they've had, can change a player's outlook on his style of play. Because I don't know if it's just me talking nonsense, Ben, but I certainly don't think he would have had the confidence to even go for that yesterday. Um, is that something you'd agree with? Yeah, it's all about flooding players into a box in that. And I don't think we was doing that enough under Ivic. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think you would get the wide players into the, the box to tap it in at the far posts. But yeah, he's definitely um, introduced that yesterday and we definitely got rewards from it. Once again, fantastic play from Ken Semmer with yeah. yet another assist. I think that's either yeah. sixth or seventh of the season. Um, it's, it's been a right old gem on the left-hand side, um, like a new signing coming back from his loan spot, Indonesi. Um, but yeah, like you say, they, they they tried to double up on him yesterday. I don't didn't think he got too much joy out of him, but when he did get the joy, he, he created that chance and Thankfully, Saw was steaming in at the far post to tuck it away. But for def- it was funny because when the ball came in the box, the Norwich defender had one eye on Saw and was looking mm-hmm. at him. The next minute, he was gone and it was behind him and it was in the back of the net. Um, he's that quick, isn't he? This is this is what I mean. Like I'll sit down, Joe. I don't know if you do this as well, but I'll sit there in previous games and watch Saw have the ball coming up against the fullback, and I'm just shouting at the TV, just run. I don't 100%. think he understands. He's the quickest guy in that league. Um, I mean, there's probably um, maybe one other player that, that comes close. I think uh, the Brentford fullback, uh, Rico Henry, is quite a pacey lad. And I think we saw that last week but um, or a couple of weeks ago. But I just I just find myself shouting, screaming at the TV, just run, just run. And 100%. I think he'll do more and more of that with this new manager. And uh, Yeah, 100%. And I think... You know, there was a point when um, I was watching the Cardiff game, and I, oh, yeah. several occasions, because I was in the I was in the stadium myself, and I was predicting exactly what he was going to do. You know, he'd get the ball, do a light jog with it, and then pass it off to the side. You know, when he clearly had opportunities to go, and he it was it looked like he was just giving up responsibility to someone else. He's like, no, you take it now, and it was so frustrating to watch. Last night, though, the intensity in SAR was just phenomenal. Um, yeah. at, at moments, uh, you know, Foster would have a, a long shot and all of a sudden, SAR has just appeared. And it's just like, he's, he's run the length of the pitch in about two seconds. It's madness. You know, it's like watching a brand new player. It's, um, it's really, really exciting to watch. He was really back to his best yesterday, wasn't he? It felt like he was just positive, got the ball. He always looked to beat his man. And I, yeah, like you say, his work rate throughout was unbelievable. And if, I reckon if Sisto can get, the, get him more involved in each game and enjoying his football, we'll, we'll see the side that we, we know and we love from last season. Uh, I hope not, because the January transfer window's coming up. He's started to play really well again, right at the wrong time. <laughs> yeah. it, there was all that hoo-ha about him taking Watford out of his Instagram bio and changing his profile picture. I think people look too much into this. I was this. just going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm, not re- I'm not reading anything into that. Um, he's done it for whatever reason, but I, I, obviously he, was, he looked dejected of confidence. And I, I think it wouldn't be harsh to say that he's massively underperformed so far this season. Um, I, I personally thought the championship would be, um, I wouldn't say a doddle, but it would be a lot more entertaining for Saar because he can just run at these players and obviously the, the, the quality of players, no disrespect, he's coming up against will, won't be as good as those in the Premier League. But I thought he'd take to this water, uh, take to this water, take to this division of <laughs> water. So, yeah. Uh, but he, he is coming back to his best, and we, we saw that yesterday, I think. Um, it's like you say, he's underperforming, but he's got, out of 17 games, well, he's got four goals and five assists. <laughs> I'll take that yeah. from an underperforming player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was you going to say then, Joe? Yeah, I, th- I think as well, it's, it's worth noting that, you know, Watford as a club, I think it's, you know, publicly known that they work as a business. You know, they're mm-hmm. very excited to make the money on the players and get them. I think that's probably one of the reasons why the board has so much involvement with who plays because, you know, they're always looking to see, well, who can we 
um, put out on the pitch to get a bit more um, publicity for and then make a big sale on them. So Star is their largest signing. You know, Star is Watford's largest signing. And I think hopefully they'll keep him for the rest of the season looking for promotion because Saar, you know, is a player that should be playing in the Premier League, definitely with that with that style of play. So fingers crossed that he survives January. But, you know, with Watford, anything can happen. <laughs> well, yeah, Watford don't, don't do things the easy way. Uh, like you said earlier, Joe, that last 10 minutes was, oh, that was the most painful <laughs> watch ever. Um, but the only other sort of half chance to, to sort of talk about in the first half was, it again, fell to Andre Gray. Troy Deeney did brilliantly to, as he does, to pluck the ball out of the air and he sort of put it on a plate for Andre Gray and he sort of smashed it well over from about six or seven yards out, I think. So, it, listen, obviously being a striker is all about scoring goals, but the, the first battle is to create chances. And I, I think we are obviously, under Munoz, hopefully, we are going to see a lot more chances created. Um, with that said, we only had one shot and target yesterday. Does that worry you a little bit, Ben? Or are, are you, do you think the overall game was much better? Um, yeah, overall game was much better. We've got to remember, we've just played, I, I reckon we've played the best team in the championship yesterday and we made them struggle against us. We were restricting them to shots from distance and for us to only have one shot on target and come out with one nil winners, I'm, I'm not, not too worried because we did create chances yesterday. Um, we just need to be more clinical in the final third and I think it's going to come over time. I think the four four two in the partnership with Deeney and Gray, I think it can work. It just needs time. Um, there were signs of it working yesterday, um, which excites me. Um, because we've, we've said before, Deeney, he works better with a partner up top. Gray, he works better with a partner up top. Put them together, hopefully Magic can start and it, both of them can start firing goals. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'd, I just hope with this new manager that he can sort of drill into them to beat the first man from a corner because again yesterday the amount of corners that we had and we still can't beat the bloody first man uh, and it, it, I think I'm more frustrated of that because look at the guys that we've got going into the box Wilmot is a big player Sierra Elta big player uh, you know Cabaselli when fit we know he's good in the air uh, Truce to come we've, we've got some real real big players uh, and we're not utilising them because the deliveries from set pieces aren't very good uh, so whether that's something Munoz will work on I don't know um, I think jumping over to the second half now obviously to, to be one nil up against Norwich as you've said Ben was absolutely superb and it was almost like you know too good to be true at one stage but I, I felt we had even though we didn't have a shot on target we had much more clear cut chances first one I'm talking about is when Norwich got caught out trying to play from the back. Sars intercepted it. And again, like, I've just, like we've just talked about, the Sar of under Vladimir Ivic wouldn't have ran to get that ball. But he ran. He proved he's lightning quick. He got the ball and then played it. I thought, again, I don't know if I'm being harsh, but I thought inch perfect to Andre Gray. But Gray just couldn't quite get there. Uh, but do you think that... The question I'm asking here is, Ben, do you think Saar should have gone for goal as soon as he got that? Or do you think yeah. he ought to try and play in Andre Gray for, for what would have been a tapping, essentially? I think for anyone else, it would have been perfect to pass at Andre Gray, but because <laughs> Saar is so quick, um, yeah. he had he had the freedom of Ricky Droy to have a shot there. Um, mm -hmm. I think he was just being... It was just being a bit more of a team player, wasn't he? And trying to put it on the plate for Gray. But to be fair, like you say, it was an each perfect ball to Gray. But I think the defender breathing down his neck kind of put him off a little bit. So it was good defending from a Norwich player. Because I think when, when he gets the ball, because I, I, I made a joke on, on social media the, the other day that I need to start being more professional because I've got a proper microphone now. But this is how professional I am. I'm talking to you and I'm watching the highlights at the same time. So, uh, <laughs> I, I, when he gets the ball, when Saar first sprints to get that ball, he's, he's virtually one-on-one. -on -one. Yes, there's, a, there's two Norwich players in the box, but he's faced with one directly in front of him and a large part of um, McGovern's goal is empty. I'm thinking there, if he takes a shot, 
he's got that massive, massive space in the goal to aim for. If he runs at that defender to then get himself in a better position, I think that defender brings him down and we win a penalty. What, what, what are your thoughts on that, Joe, with that chance with um, Sarah and Andre Gray? Do you think he was right to pass it or should he have been a little bit more greedy and, and sort of had a shot himself? I think he was right to pass it for sure. I mean, having, you know, from what I remember, the... Um, Norwich defender and the goalkeeper are right in line with him. He's not got that clear line of sight that I think he really, really needed. Yeah. Um, I think Saar has made the right judgment there to push it off to the left. But I do feel bad for Gray here because it looks on the surface like it's just a simple slide in. Yeah. yeah. In actual fact, that defender, I can't remember who it was, has his leg wrapped around Andre Gray's leg. So regardless of whether or not he was there first, he's he's not had the first touch to it. Um, I just think it's bad positioning there. And I don't think that opportunity was as gift-wrapped as some of the others were. I think it looks like it is on the surface, but when you actually break it down, looking at their positioning, it, it is relatively tough, I think, for, for Gray there. I don't think he should get too much slack for that um, mm. because... Um, too much slack, too much sick for that. Um, <laughs> just because he is up against it there. If if he was on his own and he's missed that, then one hundred percent. But Gray is really being marked hard there. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't give him too much stick. Ben, thanks to your tweet last night, my phone has not stopped pinging. But let's talk about that incident right now. Adam Messina, how long has he been out for? He's he's not. Start- Too bloody long. <laughs> well, yeah. He's not started a league match. I think the last one, he came off new- uh, injured against Newcastle, if my memory serves me correctly. So, it's been a while. And he comes on, I think there was about 20 minutes ago. And Pookie is through. Brilliant ball from Buendia. Little bit of a gap in the defence. Doesn't matter in the end. Bearing in mind... Messina has to go from behind. What on earth is that? Is that challenge like? How the hell has he got the ball there? And also, as well, something we don't usually do on this podcast: fair bloody play to John Brooks, that referee, because I would have seen a lot, a lot of referees point to the spot and give that penalty. But Ben, just how good was that challenge? Considering he he will be rusty because he's been out for so long. You'd expect the player that's just come back from injury to sort of make a mistake there and maybe bring him down. But how good was that challenge, Ben? Yes, firstly, fair play to a referee. With, I think the referees in the Championship have got a lot of stick this season mm-hmm. um, saying they're not up to scratch. And, and they haven't done yesterday. But like you said, uh, Mr Brooks, he's probably one of the best officials in the Championship. And he, he showed why yesterday. Um, fantastic call from him and Alino not to make a quick decision and say point to a spot straight away and say that's a penalty. Absolutely inch perfect sliding tackle from Adam Messina. I think it's one of the greatest tackles I've seen. Um, for someone to come off the bench as well, um, you've got to get up to speed really quickly. And he shows how sharp he was yesterday. And if it wasn't for maybe Saul getting that goal um, and getting the Sky Sportsman on that award, I think he could he could have easily picked it up after that 15-minute cameo appearance yesterday. He made another challenge in the box as well on Max Aaron's. And that, that was another inch-perfect challenge as well. But yeah, how refreshing is it to actually have a left-footed left-back in the starting he- line-up again? It's very good. And that audacious shout that you've just put out there, Ben, he could have very easily picked up the man of the match for a 15-minute cameo. Um, <laughs> it's very rare that you see a player come on the pitch and win man of the match as a substitution. I think the last time I can recall it is when Kevin De Bruyne come on against us in the, um, in the FA Cup oh, final. FA Cup final. <laughs> yeah, he come off the bench and won man of the match. But one thing I want to say, and I'm not just saying it because Joe's here, but I also want to point out Ben Wilmot for this as well, because first of all, it would have been very easy for Messina to make that challenge. Everyone stop and freeze because they think the penalty is going to be given. And I don't know if you remember, but there was another Norwich player. The way that Messina's kicked the ball, there was another Norwich player in close distance that would have just been able to tap it in, sort of. But Ben Wilmer, if you watch it through, actually stays alert 
And I, listen, I know it might sound the basics, you play to the whistle, but how many times do you see a player now just stop, even if the whistle hasn't gone? So fair play to Ben Wilmot there for actually making sure that that ball is cleared because otherwise there was a Norwich player coming in on the back post who, who would have had an easy tap in home. Um, so absolutely credit to him. Um, and then I think the next one, so the next sort of chance, which I think actually come from the, a result of us clearing it up the pitch, Stark Parizza had come on at this point. Joe, has he got to do better there or do you think his touch has let him down or is it a little bit too awkward for him? Parisa should have made that 2-0, 100%. Yeah. It was practically an open goal. Um, you know, having looked at it from the different angles as well, on the telly when they were just playing it, angle after angle, it just got worse and worse for him. It was like, oh my God. Do you imagine if that was Andre Gray? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, this just got easier and easier for you to do. And it was just, I don't know what he's fumbled there whether that be the pivot or whether it's just at his feet wrong. But, you know, we were screaming just, he should have taken the shot 100%. I think his touch has done him there, Ben. I, I don't know about you, because, you know, like I've just said, I'm, I'm watching it back now and I'm sort of thinking, how, how has he got that so wrong? And I, I think it's his touch has let him down there, Ben. What, what, what were your thoughts on that situation? Should he, have, should he have put that in the back of it? 100%, yeah. I, I felt like he was maybe a bit cold and he wanted to go for a run with the ball um, to form himself back up. It felt like watching that. Um, but yeah, he's got to do better. He, he, he pretty much rounded the keeper, but just didn't stick it in the back of the net. Yeah. Yeah, he did. It's like, yeah. It, it's that as he's round, as he's gone around the keeper, that lunge was just a little bit too hard for him to stay upright enough to keep the ball at his feet. And I think because he's had to lunge into it, it's put a bit more power behind the ball than he'd have liked. If he'd have yes. been able to keep it closer to his feet, that would have been a left-footed shot straight in and around the keeper. But I think he has just misjudged that step in. Yeah, I, I think that touch has completely done him there. And but Joe, it'd be interesting to get your viewpoint on this. We, me and Ben often talk about the strike partnerships and the players that we've got. I don't know whether João Pedro is injured or if he's got COVID. But in terms of a strike partnership, are, are you a fan of? Troy and Parizza, I mean, the, the coaches don't seem to be because Parizza can't buy a start at the moment. But are you a fan of that partnership or would you much rather see Andre Gray and Troy up front together? It's difficult to say because I haven't seen enough of Parizza, I think, really come into his own to make that decision. It's easy to make the decision on Troy because we've seen so much of him. Um, I think... It would be nice to see some variety up front because I think Gray and Dini are two very similar players. Yeah. Um, but I think Parisa probably has that little bit more finesse, although that wasn't just shown <laughs> in what uh, yeah. we were just talking about. <laughs> uh, that, that fumbled opportunity. Um, but I think Parisa can be a little bit more nimble around the ball than perhaps Gray or Dini would have. I think it, I don't think we'd have seen Gray or Dini you know, if he were in, if they were in Parisa's position, then mm-hmm. um, you know, trying to weave the ball around the goalkeeper like that, I think we'd probably seen the same result. Um, yeah. But yeah. I'd probably put my trust a little bit more behind someone like Parisa to do something like that. Um, so it would be nice to see someone like Dini and Parisa or João Pedro up front like that, um, just to see a bit more variety up front tactically speaking um, yeah. but it's just whether or not they work as a pair and I think Dini and Gray do work off each other um, tactically as a pair but also they get each other um, yes. Yes. you don't have that language barrier although Ben does say a lot that the language isn't everything but it helps yeah. Um, yeah. you know it's, it, if it's easier to communicate on the pitch it's easier to get things done um, I think if you because obviously Saar I think he's port. Does he speak Portuguese? Um, I think possibly, yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think he speaks Portuguese. Um, but that makes it difficult for for him to communicate with the rest of the team. So you, you're just relying on your teammate mm. knowing what the next best thing to do is, as opposed to being able to instruct someone on the next best thing to do. Um, 
So it'll be it'll be an interesting dynamic up front, but it'll be nice to see maybe uh, Parisa get a bit a bit more uh, starting game time up front, and to see him with Dini would be interesting for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Ben, after that, um, after that sort of touch and sort of goal, he should have scored. Are you you're still sticking by your, your statement that you, you you make a lot now. Parisa, best striker at the club. <laughs> Uh, we're going back to that chance. I've just been yeah. thinking about it. it. It it reminds me of when you're playing FIFA and you round a keeper and press the wrong button. <laughs> yes, great comparison. Great comparison. Um, so yeah, I just think he pressed the wrong button yesterday. But yeah, yeah. I, I still stick by it. I think his goals to game ratio. Of yes, is re- is really high. He's just been hit by a lot of injuries in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we saw signs of it against Bournemouth. When he um, he played really well and got his first goal for the club, and I do think he's possibly offers a little bit more than Andre Gray. Um, but yeah, the jury's still out. It's it's still it's still relatively early, isn't it? Um, mm. Yeah, I, I I still think he's maybe the best striker. <laughs> yeah, well, like you said, Ben, he's he's got another half of the season to prove that that is the case. To, uh, to make sure you don't look too silly. Um, but yeah, no, uh, all in all, a 1 0 win against the top of the league. Um, I mean, the, map, the, the stats don't look great. We, we only had one shot on target to their three, uh, which I'm surprised about. You know, they, they had a large proportion of the ball, which, a bit like the Brentford game, we, we knew what was going to come from that Norwich team. We actually only had 35% possession in that whole match. And it wasn't long ago that we were sort of pulling our hair out at the fact that. We had 33% possession in the first half against Brentford. And, you know, you flip the coin and we've, we've done it again, 35%, but we've just beaten top of the league. So I don't think anyone really cares as, as long as you're producing the results. So a brilliant win against top of the league because if Norwich would have won that, they would have gone 12 points there. And yeah. there is a large proportion of the season still to go. We, you can't be 12 points behind the team effectively. That we want to be sitting where they're sitting come the end of the season. Um, for those that haven't seen it, we are we were due to play uh, this Tuesday the 29th, but that has now been cancelled due to a COVID outbreak in, uh, within Millwall. So hopefully uh, all the players and staff are safe and well now. Um, so that means that we've got another week. Uh, and <laughs> they don't come... They're coming quite tough at the moment, aren't they, Ben? We've got a team that um, that Joe and, and Ben Wilmot will know very well. Swansea coming up. How are you feeling? Just just sum up very briefly, Ben. How how are you feeling going into that, especially off the back of this performance? Um, I go into it a bit more with a bit more confidence, um, but I am slightly worried still because I do know this is a very good Swansea City side, and they're probably playing without their best player at the moment. Um, Morgan Gibbs White is it? Oh right, um, yeah. He was on loan, wasn't he? Yeah, he's on loan from Wolves, centre midfielder, and yeah. uh, really good player. Uh, they're doing really well. We've got a good young manager. We've got a good young team. They've got a lot of experience in the side as well with AU up the top. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm slightly worried. It's away from home. We all know that Watford's away form is diabolical. Um, but hopefully, <laughs> with 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 the new um, new manager comes with new ideas, and hopefully. We can pick something up at Swansea, but yeah, they're just above us in a table, so it'd be it'd be great to go there um, and pick up three points. But Swansea are playing midweek; um, we're not, so it gives us more time to rest the legs and do more training sessions out there with a the new head coach and yeah. understand his ideas more. So I think it could work in our benefit. Hopefully, and another thing I hope is that they've actually resurfaced the pitch because I don't know if you saw their game the other week. Uh, it escapes me who they were playing but their pitch was awful I don't know what had happened um, it was twice as bad as Reading's was yesterday against Luton um, but Joe obviously talking about that we, we have to ask you obviously Swansea a club that Ben will know well do you think that will actually benefit Watford the fact that Ben will know it so well or maybe has it changed a little bit albeit only being one season but do you think that will work in our favour having someone like Ben who who was very much adored uh, for his time at Swansea. Yeah, I think it's going to be a bit of it's going to be a bittersweet game for sure mm. because um, you know we we still um, like Swansea a lot and they they play very clinical football. Um, yeah. Steve Cooper for sure. I mean, you know, one of the things that Ben and I have spoken about is that Cooper would never let 
anyone take a shot from outside the box. You know, it would absolutely hammer that home all the time. So, and he doesn't seem to have changed his mindset on that either. So I think Ben will probably understand how Cooper works. But at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's always going to be difficult to tell because they'll be coming in with, you know, they've got new players in their squad now. It's a brand new season and anything can change really. Um, you know, Swansea have been sort of sitting around sixth or seventh place um, last season and the season before that. But now they're doing, you know, pretty well, yeah. um, which shows that they, they have changed a lot. So it'll be interesting for Watford um, going up against it. But I think Swansea should, should, you know, should definitely not be complacent, um, especially after uh, last night's win. Yeah, I've just had I've just had a quick look. Swansea are actually playing Wednesday night, so there's even less time for them to recover. And they're playing against Reading, who are flying. Ooh, well, uh, we could do with that really being a draw because if Reading win that and other results go against us, we could actually find ourselves sitting outside the playoffs. Uh, and I know that sounds stupid with only 21 games played, but the the the, the less time spent outside the playoffs, the, the better I think. Uh, not not just for the obvious reasons, but mentality-wise as well. Um, we do obviously usually speak to an opposition fan. Unfortunately, we weren't able to get one in time to, to speak to a Swansea fan. Uh, so instead, I'm going to throw you to under the bus. Um, Joe, what would, uh, what's your score prediction for this one without sitting on the fence too much? <laughs> Uh, mm, I'm probably going to say well, this doesn't sound like I've got much faith in Ben uh, <laughs> but I'm probably, probably going to go with a one-all draw I think Okay. yeah yeah. I think listen a lot was made of Ivic's we were drawing all the time away from home and it all goes back to that cliche win your home games draw your away games but I think a draw away at Swansea would be a, a very good result uh, Ben are you going for a draw are you feeling a little bit more optimistic or are you going to be a negative Nelly again and say we're going to lose like you did when we played Brentford? Well, well I, I just want to say I would take that 1-1 draw now if you offered it to me um, with Swansea. Yeah. Um, I, you wouldn't want to leave, lose ground with them. But yeah, I'm with, I'm with Joe. I'm going to go for a draw. Uh, I'm going to go more adventurous, so I'm going to go 2-2. Two, 2-2. Two. Two, two. Okay, very, very interesting. I am going to be positive... Uh, I think Munoz is going to bring some really good football to the club. Uh, I think over the next few games, we're going to really start seeing the attacking prowess that we've got in these sides. Because I think attacking-wise, and I'm not just saying this because I'm biased and this is a Watford podcast, attacking-wise, we've got the best attack in the division. Hands down. I've said it there. It's out there now. Uh, that can come back to us in the end of the season when we don't go up. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm going to go with a 2-1 win. Um, and I'm going to go with a Ben Wilmot header as well. I think he's going to score uh, against uh, his, his old club. That would be a lovely twist of fate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was. It really, really was. Um, I, he he uh, scored for them last season. Did he score against Luton? Or have I made that up? Hardest. Cardiff, Cardiff, yeah, so yeah. even better for, for them. So, did you go to that one, Joe? No, I wasn't there, but my parents went, so I've seen the videos and I've seen uh, I've seen the pictures of the uh, Cardiff fans' reactions as it's gone in. So, um, <laughs> yeah, all lovely, pleasant, but yeah, yeah. No, it's <laughs> not the goal. Yeah. One, one game you have gone to, though, we spoke briefly before we started recording. You actually went out to Italy to watch Ben play for Indonesia away at Juventus, didn't you? Yeah, first first game I'd seen him play uh, for um, for Indonesia was at Juventus, <laughs> which was an absolute baptism of fire. I mean, they were absolutely mauled, um, you know, and. Uh, Ronaldo was just sat on the bench for the entire match, you know. So they'd even bring out the big guns, and they were absolutely, you know, ravaged. But um, it was still that aside. It was still an impressive match to watch, um, and the atmosphere in that stadium is just—it it is really something else. Because um, I'd never seen Ben play in a, in a stadium that large, and I hadn't even seen him play at the Vic. To be fair. Um, so it was, yeah, certainly interesting to watch. But he he played a solid game. In fairness, um, as as good a game you can play 
uh, you know, when you're sort of towards the bottom of the uh, Serie A table yeah. and uh, you're coming up against the champions, um, <laughs> I don't think uh, the score was as bad as it could have been. Was he yeah. playing further forward for Indonesia as well? Was he playing centre midfield? I think he was, yeah. I think he was sort of moving a bit backwards and forwards there. Um, things were chopping and changing a bit, um, especially under different management as well. But um, just yeah, shows his versatility, doesn't it? He can play anywhere. But wherever the manager asks him to play, he's willing to do a shift and he just wants to play football, doesn't he? We've seen <laughs> it. Uh, yeah. We've seen it at left back this season. Was it QPR? He played left back and he put a shift in. Uh, left sided centre back, right sided mm. sided centre back. And I'm sure if, if push was ever come to shove, then you could probably see him put a shift in at right back as well. But he is very, very versatile. Uh, and talking of going to Udinese to, to watch that, I, I've seen the stadium. It looks magnificent. I'd love to go, but their fans absolutely hate us. So uh, I don't think that'd be a wise move. Um, but yeah, no, it's, um, it's, it's going to be an interesting one. Obviously, the fixtures, as always, come in thick and fast. We've got Swansea on Saturday. Then it's the FA Cup and we're playing Man United who are coming into form right at the wrong time for us, unfortunately. Uh, and then we've got Huddersfield again. So we'll start to play after the Man United game. We'll start to play everyone again. Uh, so it's Huddersfield, Barnsley, Stoke and QPR. Uh, so some, dare I say it, winnable games in that run. Uh, mm. so it'll be interesting to see what we can sort of string together under under Munoz um, but yeah that's uh, that's all we've got time for this week ladies and gents so I, w- I want to thank Joe thank you very very much for coming on and, and chatting to us it's been absolutely great absolute pleasure thank you for having me no problem at all uh, and as always I want to thank my, my co-host Ben uh, and enjoy the rest of the weekend um, for, for those that are listening today or if you're listening on Monday enjoy the week uh, and we will be back next Sunday to speak about the Swansea game where we've got another special guest and then we'll be looking ahead to the Manchester United FA Cup third round tie fixture but from myself Mike and my co-host Ben thank you very very much take care goodbye <laughs> Podcast Network.